Sports This Week in Sleeves with your host, the great lord, Joshua Regal and Sleazy K. This podcast has been rated Category 3. No one under 18 may be permitted. Let's talk some fucking untold story resurgence. Bun man becomes bun woman. And we've got Fatal Attraction, the Hong Kong edition. No boiling rabbits, but a penis gets run over and someone gets crucified to a bed. So that's always something that, that's something to tick off your list. Uh, in this episode of This Week in Sleaze and in the Tidy Whitey Theater, we look at the unrelated sequel to The Untold Story. Because it uh, features Anthony Wong, but uh, it's a completely new movie, new character. But it's the woman doing the chopping this time. So human meat will be fed to Anthony Wong this time around. So that's what like five years difference does to you because this movie is from 1998. And also, as I said, uh, well, I didn't say the title, but Quenchless Desire is the Hong Kong fatal attraction of the intro. And it's not misadventures in fooling where it's uh, uh, where we got a lot of chuckles out of this. This is when uh, the uh, misadventures in fooling gets real, y'all. And uh, it's a thriller. It's a more of a straight uh, thriller uh, featuring these type of uh, characters. So uh, that's a. That's the twist of it all, uh, but uh, we'll get to that in the second half. My name is Liz Kay, and uh, with me walking the cult and adult side of uh, Hong Kong cinema is uh, the great Lord Joshua Regal taking a break from his carpentry work involving arcade cabinets. Oh yeah, here I am, baby. It almost sounds like, or looks like, because uh, you showed one day, I built this, two days later, now I built this. You know, it, <laughs> it, it sounds like someone is getting off some heavy heavy substances or something and replacing that with uh, some other vice, carpentry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it was not that quick. The the first, well, I guess it's my second arcade that I built, uh, the four-player one that uh, you, you're talking about, uh, that I posted on Facebook, I, I built that over... Honestly, it took way too long. I mean, the actual carpentry side probably took about three weeks, but like the computer side, because it had like a, it was running off of an actual PC and stuff. That took like another month and a half, two months. Oh, by oh so you didn't place a little uh, Raspberry Pi in it and be done with it? No, not on that one. Not on the four player one. The four player one is like, uh, it was four player like arcade control panel, but on the sides it had also had two Xbox 360 controllers coming out the side and those control all of the like Nintendo, Super Nintendo, you know, all the, you know, basically console and handheld systems where the four player control panel that controlled all arcade stuff. So kind of get like an authentic control thing. (laughs) Hey, if you were to pick uh, one four-player game to bring with you to a deserted island, out of the two that I can come up with in my head, which one would you bring, The Simpsons or um, The Turtles one? (laughs) Well, there's The Simpsons, there's Turtles uh, 1 and Turtles 2, and then there's uh, X-Men, and jeez, I think even Captain America and the Adventures has a four-player version. I'd probably go, I mean, I don't know, Simpsons is great. Simpsons and Turtles. Probably go Simpsons. Well done. Well I love done. the game. Yeah. Did, 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 did you put like a specific marquee on that okay cabinet thing that uh, corresponded to some, some game or was it uh, uh, more uh, shapes and stuff and color? Oh, that one? That was the Marvel vs. Capcom. That's right. We used Marvel vs. Capcom stickers all over it to kind of like uh, fluff it out. 
And then the second arcade I built was just a two-player control panel with uh, Raspberry Pi, and uh, it the whole theme for that was a uh, sports team, LSU. That was for basically a friend of a friend, and he likes LSU, and his little man cave was all going to be LSU. So that's Louisiana State University, so you know. And and you as the token sportsman, you're on that uh, and under and, and understood completely the ins and outs of that decision. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I can draw know. it from memory. All those logos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I know you said you you're not you, like like you you're you're more of a uh, wrestling MMA fan rather than like football fan, yeah, or baseball exactly. or whatever. I, I don't keep up with uh, team sports at all. Do you even have your own uh, okay cabinet? So that's that's coming. I do. Uh, I have an old, like the first one I ever built. I just built, um, and I posted a picture of that years ago. But uh, all I did was just uh, uh, kind of build the whole shelf for it, and then I had bought a um, X Arcade control panel, and just kind of like built it so that it would sit inside of it. Like these days now, though, since I've built a couple of control panels, I've already. I'm like I was telling my wife last night. I was like, eh thing about selling this and trying to you know build me a little four-player control panel build me a nice one with a computer inside been looking up uh the stuff i want to do and it's like i really want one that'll play games up till like gamecube and uh playstation 2 and stuff like that and uh do basically the same thing have like four-player control panel on top for the arcade and for the laser disc games and all that stuff and then have uh what do you call it? The, like Xbox 360 controller or maybe a PlayStation controller. I have like four of those sticking out the side so that I could play, you know, Nintendo 64 and da 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 da. It's just a matter of uh, building the computer and building uh, all that. It's just going to cost money. That's all. <laughs> Projects are fun, my friend. Uh, we have a little uh, project here of delivering a uh, discussion and review of two. Uh, they're mildly connected because uh, they have sort of obsessive female lover um, uh, theme uh, like spread across these two movies. But uh, the Untold Story 2 is obviously riffing on, on the first movie primarily. And Quenchless Desire is, uh, you know, riffing on the genre of the uh, erotic thriller rather than um, uh, do a bit of fun a la, uh, a la Secret Lover or I Love Miss Fox and uh, those kind of movies that Hong Kong usually produced. Uh, this is more um, uh, straightforward, so that's why I included it in this relaxed, uh, informal, uh, tidy-whitey theater coverage of this week's least 59. But uh, let's uh, do some quick uh, contact information, then get on with it. And uh, this is this week's least indeed on the podcast on Fire Network and our back catalog of reviews from, as I said, the cult and adult side of uh, Hong Kong cinema. All of that can be found in our archive over on our site. You can also let us know on email what you think of the show or if you've seen any of the untold stories. There are free uh, movies. Then I think there are like uh, straight to video, uh, sh- shot on video movies that uh, carry like the untold story name. But I, I, I just have a slight feeling that they have nothing to do with uh, 
uh, any uh, real or made up um, crime involving um, involving human uh, human meat. Uh, but uh, there are a couple of early 2000s untold story this and this untold story this and this. Uh, but uh, you can find uh, well you you can write to us if you've seen uh, the untold story movies and beyond podcast on fire at googlemail.com. Check us out over on Facebook. Uh, we have a discussion group where we post uh, show updates and uh, whatnot, and it's called Podcast on Fire Network. You uh, just type that in on Facebook or click the uh, Facebook button at the top of our website to uh, to get to it and. Uh, They'll land you on our page, and uh, please leave a like in support. That would be very kind of you. Uh, our tweets are available at Podcast on Fire, and I write about a variety of Hong Kong and Taiwanese uh, movies, uh, special effects movies from Taiwan, uh, social uh, drama movies from Taiwan, and uh, Hong Kong sleaze and what have you in a grand old mixture. And I post uh, video reviews on sleazykvideo.com, not uh, category-free ones anymore, because uh, I simply ran out of... Uh, hosting sites that allowed even uh, sexually suggestive content so uh, the category free reviews were, were kind of out but uh, i'm keeping the site because uh, i can post the other genres but uh, every now and again there are category free movies of uh, a different kind uh, and sometimes i can do video reviews with even without even hinting at the sexual um, uh, sexually suggestive content but uh, it's still there it's, and it's gonna be there for a while forever and ever I gotta leave a legacy and, uh, and hand it over, <laughs> like, uh, leave it in my will. Like, you get the domain name, son. Thanks. We don't do domain <laughs> names anymore, old man. We're, we're connected to the internet in a, in a stranger way. That I'll never understand. Uh, but, uh, and uh, my tweets are available at so good uh, reviews. Uh, you also have uh, Apple Podcasts to, uh, you can listen to us on there, subscribe, and uh, you can leave a rating and review over on iTunes. Stream us on Stitcher Radio as well as on Spotify. We are going to take a musical break, and after that, we'll after that we'll be back to review the Untold Story Two, which is uh, a sequel in name only. But Anthony Wong is back, and uh, a different director, but um, no, nevertheless, uh, an Untold Story in the works. It's kind of if you remember Joshua, we did a couple of 1998 movies of the category three variety they were all sequels to essentially 1993 1994 movies because uh, a chinese torture chamber story 2 that was 98 uh, for instance uh, so wong jing who's not a producer on this one he brought back the sort of names to 1998 specifically there was a sort of boom there again uh, to do unrelated um, stories but sometimes time was kind of kind to the makers because they weren't living in that busy area joshua era where people just made 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 they had a couple of years off and then maybe fought for a few seconds extra before shooting their uh, exploitation movie so um, um the chinese torture chamber story too wasn't bad and in actuality it's the one where mark cheng raped a woman with a paintbrush for instance <laughs> Because he oh, was psychologically yeah. scarred and shit like that. They tend to be, yeah, rapists. Tends to be, yeah. It's never uh, hunky-dory up there in the old brain department. Um, yeah, you, you don't find too many of them that, you know, are just all good. Well adjusted. You know? It's just a paintbrush yeah. thing, but uh, give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> it's all paintbrush, it's all girl, what am I going to do? <laughs> I'll sound like the free studios as I try to defend my <laughs> defend myself. But I gotta rape you.
you knucklehead. That's the, the darker side to uh, to thirties, forties black and white comedy shorts <laughs> or something. I don't know. I don't even know where when the free studios were around necessarily. Now yeah, do. Right, man. <laughs> yeah. I only remember it. Uh, speaking of games, uh, I remember there was a uh, well. It was probably everywhere, but I had a free studios game on the Amiga, which had uh, lots of. Uh, we you you were you're trying to get money. For an orphanage, right? But yeah, they, it had yeah. lots of mini games that were so infuriating and so difficult. I had no idea how to do it. But it was really um, cinematic and stuff like that. It was really it was nice graphic, nice photorealistic graphic for its time and things like that. So it was kind of well, this ups the ante, but it was frustrating as heck. Yeah, same game. They they had that for uh, regular, you know, NES, and then later, like. I guess in the late nineties, early two thousands, PlayStation One. They they did a remake of it. And it basically <laughs> Who looks the damn same. For that, no one, and they didn't improve anything. <laughs> so, so it was uh, still uh, frustrated to play. Uh, yep. Okay. Uh, so that's uh, the Free Studios uh, corner for you. Let's uh, move into <laughs> a little musical break, and then we're going to review the Untold Story Two from nineteen ninety eight. See you after the break. Welcome back, and the first review of this Tidal Wide Theater uh, edition of This Week in Sleaze is of The Untold Story 2 from 1998, and plot from Mr. Blue on HKMDP. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can't resist doing the rest of our dogs thing. <laughs> Mr. Blue, Mr. Pink, Mr. Brown. Mr. Pink. Before I go on, go on with it, I, I don't follow Quentin's movies like religiously anymore. And I did for a while, but uh, pe- people always bring up, uh, you know, the the, fo- the the foot thing. And I was like, yeah, maybe it's in there, maybe it's not. And then I flashed back to the scene from Dust Till Dawn. And I was like, oh, when he's sucking on Sal- Salma Hayek's feet, toes. And I was like, oh, I think I understand things now. <laughs> I think I understand where this foot fetish comes from. Because I kept thinking in my head, yeah, there's things about the... Uh, foot massages in dialogue in Pulp Fiction, yeah, that's a thing. But then in From Dusk Till Dawn, it's sort of like I wrote this for me, <laughs> and I've got a story. I have to be this character. I have to be. So that's uh, that's uh, where it comes from. But plot from Mr. Blue on HKMDB goes as follows: For the untold story, to a restaurant owner play uh, called Chung, played by Emotion Chung, is having quite a dilemma. His business isn't going very well. His only steady customers, uh, who mooch more food than they pay for, are local VCD bootleggers and a cowardly cop known as Lazy Boots, played by Anthony Wong. Uh, yeah, he has a name, but he's mostly Officer Lazy Boots. Uh, even when he does manage to make some money, uh, it all goes to his bitchy wife, played by Jung Fan, who spends it on mahjong and underwear for her uh, boyfriend. But it seems like uh, Chung also has a little problem in bed. So that's problematic sexually and all of that. Uh, things seems to brighten up with when Chung's sister-in-law, played by Pauline Chun, comes to visit. However, after a series of strange events, both Chung and Lazy Boots suspect 
something is wrong with the visitor and their respective investigations turn up something beyond belief and this is from a director called Andy M, who really has no extensive background to talk of other than uh, he directed one of those solid PTU spin-off movies that Simon Yam starred in. Uh, his was called Tactical Unit Human Nature. And he also worked with uh, dark category free king Billy Tang on a TV movie called Hong Kong Criminal Archives Black Money. And that series of movies uh, also covered true life events such as the taxi killer Lam Go Wan before the Dr. Lam movie. And I don't know if you knew this, Joshua, but in that Hong Kong Criminal Archives series on TV, Simon Yam also played the taxi killer Lango One, and then went on to, and Billy Tang directed, and then they went on to make the big screen and way more gross, probably, uh, version of uh, of uh, Lango One in the form of uh, uh, Dr. Lam. So Andy um was one of the directors in that sort of circle who made those movies. But Andy um came in here with the untold story too and uh, it's it's not only unrelated but i don't think it's based on any true crime killing spree uh, i think this is purely fictional it just feels like it uh, and um but it's a name the untold story is a name and uh, it was an award-winning film so it made sense to bring it back sometime it just took four years and in between we got rip-offs like the unpublicizable file as you might remember <laughs> joshua <laughs> the untold story what's the variation of that title the unpublicizable file got it <laughs> and then, you know, so it's uh, it's kind of a surprise they waited so long. But uh, uh, it starts uh, Singapore-born actress Pauline Shun, uh, sometimes credited with an English name Alien Shun. And she was also in Takashi Miike's Itchy the Killer, playing the role of Karen. And you revealed to me, uh, not that it's private information anyway, that you fan- fancied yourself a bit of a Takashi Miike historian. Maybe based on the fact that you watched... Itch of a Killer and Takashi Miike films <laughs> a lot back in the day. So do you remember if her part as Karen uh, in Itch of a Killer was, was extensive or not? Because uh, I gather like, it's an English language part, I guess. So do, what do you remember about Pauline? It, it was kind of a combination. She, she spoke multiple languages throughout the film. But um, yeah, spoke English very well in it. And uh, she... Uh, she was great in it, and she, it is a pretty big part in the fact that it's she's part of this kind of subtle, weird uh, love triangle between Ichi, Kakihara, and uh, herself. Like, basically, Kakihara is like this... You've never seen it, right? And I know that Ichi isn't the blonde character. Ichi is another character. No, no, no. Kakihara is the blonde right. uh, character. He's the... Uh, basically the yakuza boss who's a masochistic psychotic you know it, it, the whole movie is about like uh, control issues and that's where the whole snm thing comes through like who controls who at what point and uh Takahara, he's just looking for basically love through violence and so he's constantly torturing human beings and karen is kind of infatuated with him she's also kind of infatuated with the character of itchy itchy is this uh lonely boy who has basically been raised up to be a killer uh, his whole life and uh, he performs hits for this older man who basically has him brainwashed and uh whenever he wants him to kill somebody he goes and does it itchy's constantly crying and is uh you know emotionally vulnerable upset and so the three of them kind of have this thing going on throughout it where karen loves kakahara 
Kakahara loves Ichi because Ichi, he feels, is the greatest sadist. Like, you know, the way he kills people, he slices them into pieces and, uh, you know, leaves their guts strewn everywhere. He walks in on these scenes of, like, his his gang members all just you know, mutilated and blood and guts everywhere. And he sees that and he goes, oh, this is the person I've been looking for, you know? So yeah, it just kind of bounces back and forth between there. The thing is, hearing you talk about it, is is it something you can take seriously, or is that movie just for fun? No, it's 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 played, you know, pitch black. It's not really a laugh riot type of movie. It's pretty serious because the gore suggests that uh, you know people get literally sliced in half, uh, almost cartoon wise. So the gore suggests that Mika is um, playing around too. Yeah, well, I mean, it's probably fun for him but no the movie never says like this is a hoot or anything like that you know there are moments of dark 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 comedy but overall like i said that it's kind of more about like uh emotional and physical control of other people you know what's um uh, we'll get back get back to Anto's story too but uh was um sabu in it a lot uh, otherwise director sabu um mm-hmm. he was yeah he, he's you know he's been in a couple of uh you know, Mike's films that he was in um, uh, Shinjuku Triad Society as well. They kind of like worked well together. Like, anyway, it seems to always be playing a cop of some sort. But uh, he plays a cop that's trying to trying to basically feed his kids, and uh, he can't make money anymore. And uh, he basically goes to work for Kakiara, and he doesn't agree with all the sadistic and horrible things that he does. Kind of bounces back and forth. There's a great moment in Shinjuku Triad Society where, uh, <laughs> like, for some reason, I, I think it's just to point out just how nasty Shinjuku is, the part of Japan, part of Tokyo. And uh, he's running through the street chasing after a guy, and he steps and shit. And he, like, looks down, and it's like a turd smushed on the ground. And he, he goes, he's like, human? Question mark. <laughs> so it's like, so somebody took a shit on the ground. I think he does a similar gag in one of his own movies. Uh, there's an opening uh, scene right, which I think leads into a robbery, where, and he's actually in it briefly. Uh, Unlucky Monkey is one oh, of Sabu's yeah. movies, and I think he does that gag too, where someone steps in poo poo. Um, Could have been a reference. Yeah, uh, but um, anyway, uh, good fun director, uh, director of uh, Monday, uh, Dungan Runner, and. Uh, Drive, Drive, of course, uh, and uh, Miss Zombie a few uh, years ago, which was a neat uh, black and white uh, zombie-style movie, but uh, a bit more subdued than that. Anyway, the Antal story too, uh, subdued or not, I don't know. Um, as for my short opinion, what's kind of neat about it, Joshua, is that they both wanted to do a sequel, but they don't follow the blueprint necessarily of the first in that horrid, transparent way. Let's replace the horny, silly gang with another horny, silly gang of characters. They're not really mm-hmm. doing that, so he has comedic beats here and there, but it's not following the uh, the blueprint. It's not as nasty, but it's still, um, it, it still has its moments. It's a thriller, sometimes light one, and uh, I think my, my key point here is it's kind of interesting in what it's doing, which I thought was uh, made it decent enough. I've seen so many rip-off Category 3 movies that is, they're not interested in uh, executing any type of cinema. But this sort of seems interested in what it's doing, even though the Anton story is um, 
still a better movie and it has a more punch as because it's true life crime and uh, it doesn't pull any punches uh, this one um it's a bit uh, more subdued but it earns its category free rating for sex and some gore so uh, so i think it's uh, decent enough so uh, as for your short opinion uh, what do you want to say about the untold story 2 it has a lot to live up to in the original film it's kind of a classic even though the original did have its problems as well and um uh, this film i don't feel like the comedy as is as overbearing kind of in certain ways that the original was but it's still pretty over the top and uh overall has a lot of good moments to it uh, it's not gonna stick out as much as the original for people but still definitely worth seeing I mean, the switcheroo into literally uh, there is a woman that's more proactive in in, uh, in the cutting up department uh, works well enough because I think she is uh, ready to play. She doesn't seem like uh, she's out of her element and uh, scared to be nasty on screen necessarily, which is uh, which is a good thing because uh, Anthony isn't here to lead uh, anymore and uh, literally he can't be back since his real life character killed himself in prison, so they they can't do any um, sort of uh, well, well they could have done a flashback I suppose and uh, even you know developed him even more but uh, they, they can't bring him back into into uh, events post the Untold story so um, it's in name only casting but um, and it's under the same banner but it, it's the Hong Kong way bring back the same actor who cares these goddamn liberal SJWs gotta bring women into our Cat 3 movies ugh it's like almost like Joshua. It's like I'm afraid to say my real opinion, so I'm gonna sort of direct it to some other people. <laughs> so can yeah. one disapprove? <laughs> oh no! But you know who we got at the uh, at the center of it all is a very sweaty and greasy leading man called Emotion Chung, and I think it's the first. We we have a first here in category three movies. A man who looks like he's on the verge of puking. As the, <laughs> as the woman is gladly having sex with him. Emotion isn't here to look um, pretty and suave, Joshua. He's here to show emotion, all right? And his emotion just happens to be <laughs> wanting to vomit. It's obviously not award-winning stuff, but uh, how do you think he sort of... Uh, do you think he relishes this part, um, bites into it as this sort of abused husband or, or what does emotion sort of uh, what emotion does the emotion uh, show to you as you watch the movie well he he does he does not look like your average leading man i'll say that much he kind of has do you remember by the way which movie you've seen him in before bio zombie he's, he's the he's the kind he's the kind some zombie in bio zombie the kind zombie yeah it's, it's the he's uh, he defends one of the still living girls from other zombies uh, he played a chef like a sushi chef it's been years dude I haven't seen you remember the dubbed me. line from that movie in another episode <laughs> and you can't remember this guy he's like the king of balls i remember that i'll always remember that but his particular part i'm not sure but they, you know, he's tormented. So, uh, you know, to give the listeners an idea, is it widely dramatic and sad, or is it what kind of role does emotion sort of, or what kind of beats does he walk through here as the tormented man? He kind of looks like he has to take a dump at all times, is what I get from him. He just kind of has this, uh, you know, pouting face, <laughs> no matter what's going on. <sighs> I don't know. Uh, uh, 
you noticed you noticed the performance. That's the point. Oh yeah, <laughs> you, you noticed it. Yeah, I kind of like him. He's uh, he's not uh, this actor I've encountered you know a lot, but um, you know based on two 1998 movies here, Untold Story two and Biozombie, he uh, he's not afraid to uh, to sort of sink his teeth into into this and appear uh, you know less masculine or whatever and. Uh, it's the flip side of it all that uh, sometimes men are tormented. You know, uh, it's a man that only briefly comes out of his shell uh, as he meets Pauline Schoen and things like that. And then the cycle starts for him again. He gets tormented again. He gets uh, abused again. He gets dominated again. It's not each of a killer substance, granted. But, you know, <laughs> it, it's, it's still characteristics are present here. That's my point. Anthony, though. He uh, he's in his beast cops sort of look, and what I mean by that, he had. Uh, I can't swear. He said in an interview, he said something. Is there something called thyroid disease? Thyroid, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, hypothyroidism, hyperthyroidism. And he said he had to take steroid treatment, and that made him puff up. So for for a while, for like a year or two, he looked uh, a little bit fatter. And uh, that was the period he did uh, Beast Cops and things like that. So he, he say, he's in that look uh, uh, during this time, and he made a lot of movies to pay medical bills and things like that. It's not as not as big here as he is in Beast Cops, though, you know? Yeah, I think it's either, either going down or it's going up, I suppose, uh, uh, the treatment. <laughs> One but, or the other. So uh, is, uh, is Anthony uh, the serious brooding character of the movie? The serious <laughs> brooding cop? The serious hard-boiled cop? Or what is Lazy Boots about, Joshua? What is Lazy Boots about? <laughs> He's about keeping his boots lazy. What kind of priorities does he have? Does he want to detain persons on a daily basis? Or what are his prior- priorities? He's also the type that's obsessed with <laughs> upset with these SJWs. And uh, particularly, he's, he's fighting to keep uh, runaway chickens out of his country, you know, sneaking over the border. And, and that's not uh, the slang for prostitutes that Joshua is uh, evoking. No, no, literal chickens. He, he sees a group of chickens. He says, hey, are these chickens from uh, from Hong Kong? Wait, what? They're from over the border? These chickens got to go. It's not the type to sit there and, you know, sit on his thumbs while uh, these evil, these bad hombre chickens come over the border. You know they might have swine flu. The, that's his uh, reasoning. <laughs> <laughs> and it, I, I found it really amusing and, and Anthony is you can sense when he's off I think he's having a decent time here because uh, he enjoys playing the cop that picks up where other departments uh, can't uh, focus you know so he, he's happily he's literally kind of being ice immigration chicken enforcement agency not really his job but you know in actuality everybody's like upset with him for bringing chickens back to the uh the office but do you think anthony is uh enjoying himself here or is it more he's uh, phoning it in he's he's the only one that i feel like that's like this is kind of a silly movie let's just have some fun here everybody else is i think treating it like their big break but anthony's just like hey you know it's another job let's let's make this interesting let's have some fun and sometimes he didn't even care for making it interesting or fun because it was money and uh, he has yeah. a family and that's fair, yeah. absolutely fair. And uh, if uh, if anything, uh, medical uh, bills um, surely was expensive back then anyway. So uh, 
Yeah, so you you gotta pay for yourself and you gotta and your family gotta eat. But uh, Pauline though, because uh, you add her into the mix and she's uh, more of a country bumpkin at, bumpkin at first. She's a bit uh, naive, but uh, she every now and again when she's called crazy. Or if she's uh, referred to as uh, a mainlander because uh, Hong Kong people are deeply racist or deeply judgmental. The, the movie obviously does the non-subtle thing of having her glare. Oh yeah, you know she's she's got bad intentions. But having said that, if you judge the sort of entirety of Pauline's performance, do you think she's ready to play? And is, is it effective as she snaps into darkness in your eyes? Oh yeah. I think that, uh, you know, like I said, you know, most of the cast treats it like this is my big break. I've got to make the most of it. And I think she's really the number one contender for that. She's really trying to, you know, ham it up, trying to really show off her chops while uh, being this sweet little innocent girl who has a really evil side. Because it's really a token sort of a backstory that they then bring into it that uh, something happened to her, she was the only survivor, and now she's crazy. But it, it could have been so much more unbearable, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and Andy, the director, Andy gets it right to a decent enough degree. I think um, it's not uh, this slam dunk, oh my god, where did this performer come from? But uh, it, it's kind of fun to see her switch into... <clears throat> Someone said crazy to me. Let's, you know, the camera <laughs> angle switches too. You know, the only thing they didn't do was to change the light, literally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and have, like, that symbolize her burning in her desire to kill. Like, they didn't do that, but... They didn't do the whole Kill Bill thing. The... Bring it back to Tarantino. If we go back a little bit, uh, I, I, I do enjoy Anthony. He's enjoying sort of the busy beats of his character, including playing intuition. Because I like how he stares down Pauline at their first meeting, which is kind of illogical. Like, where did that intuition come from? Is that even logical? Right. But I think it's so much fun that Anthony is like, hey, something's going on here. And as you said, I'm a performer that can make things fun and interesting. I think I'm having fun. I'm, I think I'm having fun and I'm interesting. Let's uh, play this. Uh, silly illogical beat uh, as I'm the greatest smartest cop in the world (laughs) (laughs) my my little me my my little radar is going off I think that's entirely fun and uh, enjoyable and makes the pace uh, go and all of that he's he's also the only one that Emotion Chung is confiding in so at one point Emotion is sitting down with him that he talks about this little problem in bed that is impotent (laughs) Anthony's reaction is not his inner voice but no. he said he says well i'm impotent wow really <laughs> you can't get it hard <laughs> but i never got the sense he's uh he's mean it's sort of just he, he reacts <laughs> he reacts it's kind of cute those scenes that emotion and pauline have together because uh they are after their their sex scene um his wife is in you know is cheating on him anyway so after their sex scene, they're the cute couple. They're walking the streets. They're poking each other like newly in love couples would do. And and again, the movie isn't original, but I do enjoy when Andy, the director, drops little things in dialogue where she says, well, I have plans for you and I. What are they? You'll find out. And it's one of those, it's the uh-oh moment, but I don't know what you thought, but I... Even knowing those uh-oh moments, and this is riffing on tons of other movies, I didn't think this screamed incompetence. Or what do you think as he sort of ticks off the tr- thriller beats? The recognizable erotic thriller beats? 
nothing in this, this movie is played, you know, subtly, <laughs> but... I think, you know, I mean... Because it goes into that uh, wedding sh- photography shoot that they have together, mm-hmm. so you obviously know that she is now puppeteering things. Right, and she's she's obviously got, you know, something on her mind. Like, you know, I'm going to take over this situation, but... I think it all kind of plays out fine. I never get like a moment where I'm like, ah, they're just ripping off, you know, this movie or anything like that, you know, even though they kind of probably are, but I never felt like "Ah, I've seen this before. No, no, it's decent enough to that regard um, and hits that level without you thinking Mm -hmm. that, or it's not a masterpiece, I know that, but it's certainly not uh, deeply depressing and entirely inadequate. Not when you have performers that seem interested. I mean, that, that's that got to come from somewhere. And you you have to look at the director. That uh, there's uh, enough interest here to uh, to execute and perform. And uh, even though it's not a gore-fest. I mean, the Antal story really isn't, but it has more violence. But uh, this one focuses more on uh, a few very select sequences, including the, the bathtub chopping up it all. Um, so is it fun? Is it different? Do you think in 1998 as uh, this untold story does its thing? Uh, if you know, if you think back to back to 1993, does it feel different as they do the the needed chopping scene in the bathtub? Ah, oh, it's very different. I, you know, I think the the violence in this movie actually, in a lot of ways, I don't know. Maybe it just hit me different. I think that it's a little bit more. Um, I'm not going to say gory because it's not, but more of an impact. Maybe it's the character having to watch and the violence of it. I don't know. It just seems to be amplified because of his reactions. Yeah, yeah. he sits cowering in the corner while she uh, cuts up the body. We only see an impact of uh, the, the sort of saw uh, initially in the sequence, which is a very simple mm-hmm. effect, I think. But it gets the point across that, oh my God, she cut into that corpse. But then it comes more about um, off-screen violence, but they they have blood hitting Pauline's face, and she's got that psychotic look, which is workable. And then mm-hmm. she... I mean, it's a movie for the lads, so it's see, because it seems like she gets off on this. But mm-hmm. it's kind of... It, it feels new enough that, uh, you know, the entire bathroom, Emotion and Pauline, are just covered in this stuff, and it's slow. And it's uh, mm-hmm. it's more like look at it as she so, sort of is communicating to him. Look at this. Yeah. Look yeah. at me. <laughs> it's, uh, it's something very like um, I mean, close to that. It's Scarface. You know, something I can think. Never of seen Scarface. Like, what? Yes. Come on. No, I know the I know obviously uh, the uh, the key chainsaw line. sequence. Well, I know there's eight chainsaw sequences in there, but I know that. Al Pacino is sitting in front of cocaine at one point and dance. Hello to my <laughs> little friend. That's all I know. I'm watching Carrie yeah. right now. I've seen that before, so I'm re-watching Brian De Palma movies. <laughs> Scarface is on Netflix, I think, right now. You should, you should check that out. I, I always stayed away from it because I, I gave off the impression that it's campy and maybe has not aged well because Pacino is Pacino! I mean, I always have that issue with like movies that are obviously set within the past. You know, you know, oh, it doesn't age well. Well, I mean, it's set in the '80s. It's made in the '80s. It looks like the '80s. What do you expect it to look like? You know, is it supposed to look like the '90s or the 2000s? 
No, it, it's supposed to be a product of its time, and it, it fits in that. And yeah, it has some crazy fashion, I guess. But you know, I mean, at the time, that's what it you know it didn't look that you know over the top. I didn't even know it was a period piece like that. I thought it was one of those Goodfellas type of movies that's set over forty years or whatever. So no, no, it's set over like basically one or two years. It's like uh, set right after basically it even sets it up at the beginning of the film that basically Castro had allowed a certain number of people to float over to uh, the United States in the early eighties. And, you know, the movie put posits that, you know, many of them were just basically released from prison and placed on a boat and sent over, you know? And so that's, that's where it starts off. And uh, Tony Montana is one of those, you know, he calls himself a political refugee, but he was really just in some gang or something like that comes over Gets involved in the drug trade, becomes a millionaire, and and then sits in front of a mountain of cocaine and says, "Say hello to my little friend." What's the eighties hit from that one? There's a there's an eighties hit connected to that one, right? A song? Yeah. Is it "Take It to the Limit" or that's a uh, different? Yes. Okay. Yes. Take it to the limit. In that movie, <laughs> is it like a montage yes. somewhere? <laughs> Look at all the coke I'm making. Take it to the limit. Ooh. It's him c- counting money, and then he's buying a like a tiger. And uh, <laughs> I can I've seen that movie so many times. As a kid, though, when I saw uh, Scarface for the first time, they have this chainsaw sequence near the beginning of the film, and it disturbed me greatly. Like it just seemed so real and gritty and gross that uh, you know, even though I'd seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre or one, two, and three at that point. Uh, it was just something totally different. I was like, this is too much. I can't watch this. Far from uh, De Palma being Hitchcock, I suppose. That's right, like, a little yeah. bit. I mean, they don't show like a chainsaw entering skin or anything like that, but you see reactions and you see blood spraying everywhere. Like, um, so it's it's very, and it's similar to this. Yeah. Yes. And it's very, ooh. I love um, the some of the black comedy here that happens pa- uh, post the uh, whole uh, uh, chopping up of the uh, of the wife because it's the wife that gets it. They uh, and they put her uh, meat into the barbecue business. I, you know, it's it's quite fun how they sort of play with the torso barbecue because they kept the part of the body that has the stab wounds. They put that on display mm-hmm. in the store. And I thought that was a wonderfully ludicrous but wonderful black comedy touch. Because the emotion obviously is traumatized by this. And he sees the uh, the stabbed torso. And I thought that was great that they uh, they put that front and center. <laughs> mind, mind throwing away the piece where we stabbed her? Nope. Gonna keep that. And then uh, the fact that she uses a reciprocating saw for the uh, chopping up of the body... If you've ever used one of those, I can tell you they're not the easiest thing to sit there and use, especially like flesh probably would be a little bit easier. But when you're cutting through things with a reciprocating saw, it has that big, long saw blade that comes out and it has a tendency to kind of waggle left and right. So it's really hard to get a good straight cut with it. That's all I was thinking about there. And I was like, that would be hard as hell to sit there and cut through somebody's arm with that. You're not as fun as when you didn't have any education. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying you can't do it. Yeah, 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 very... Realistic. <laughs> <laughs> it would be a very ugly cut. However, Scarface. Scarface, now they got it right. They use a chainsaw. 
that would be a little easier. Uh, right around that sequence, uh, Anthony's intuition is still sharp. I, I, I love that he's always on to him. It's like, you're acting weird. What's up? <laughs> so the, obviously, emotion is like, you know, is 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 a former sort of, he's a shell of a man. So it looks like something is up. But I, I kind of love, love that, um, that uh, degree of sort of uh, intuition that Anthony's character has, um, you know, and that that is his job uh, as a policeman, I suppose, uh, solving, you know, cases like this. Uh, so, um, but uh, by being 1998, uh, again, it doesn't feel like a pure cash grab because Untold Story 2 in 1994, the year after. Um, well, yeah, I can see that's a cash grab. Ca- cash grab. And I think the focus on the structure is okay. I don't think the movie stalls necessarily. As you said, there's not a whole lot of sequences where the movie just stops to have um, characters oogling. And, uh, well, they do have that, but they don't stop the movie dead. The, the untold story is literally Danny Lee comes in with a new prostitute, or prostitute. The guys look at her, do the grass pants in the air, and you have five minutes of that. And then the movie resumes, but uh, I never got the impression that this movie does that. Or what do you think, Joshua? Believe it or not, I think the flow of this film is better than the original in some ways. I think that the story overall in the first film was more intriguing, and uh, the characters were a little bit more interesting. But uh, you know, this film kind of the tone somehow flows better. Maybe they learned from their previous issues, but. I mean, it's still Hong Kong cinema. They 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 sure. they have, they have comedy after the, the uh, after the cutting up sequence, but it is more black comedy rather than right. Waka waka, grass pants, grass pants, and you know stuff like that. Later violence. I'm towards the end end of my notes here, but later violence isn't graphic, but it's pretty well done. There's a beating with a hammer that I think is very well done. That's about sort of choreography and miming the power of uh, how much it hurts. I thought that came through very well, if you even remember when um, Pauline, um, oh, well, brings the hammer down, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, that also, if it becomes too soft, that sequence is dead in the water right away. So, uh, And even the crucifixion scene to, uh, well, well, he's nailed to the bed, emotion chung. That they, they use perspective shots to indicate that yeah. uh, she hammers nails into his uh, hands. So there, there's more about reactions rather than uh, extensive gore effects and uh, cl- close up of you know uh, nails going in. So that's not to me either embarrassingly sort of cheap choices uh, where they painted themselves into a corner. That's kind of uh, neat. It's perspective shots, and uh, you, you, I'll, I'll bet you got an audience reaction out of that. Oh, yeah. I got not a reaction out of me. Really? <laughs> was that like your, your line? You drew the line like crucifixions? <laughs> no. Oh, no, no. Just like, ew. <laughs> One of those. E- emotion looks like he wants to poop, but he can't right now because he's crucified to a bed. <laughs> he has that same look on his face throughout the whole movie. It's, okay. a, cho- it's a choice. Yeah. <laughs> Believe it or not, he's in a movie with Jeremy Irons. What? <laughs> yes. Okay, let, let's bring it. I, I wanted to drop that because I, I knew you would uh, be a little bit shocked. Uh, there's a movie called The Chinese Box. 
Jeremy Irons uh, stars with uh, Maggie Cheung, Gong Li, uh, Emotion Cheung is in it, Michael Hoy is in it. It's set in Hong Kong around uh, right around 1997, so and it's shot in Hong Kong as well. Wayne Wang directed it, the director of Smoke, directed uh, Chinese Box. As an Emotion Cheung plays, I believe, an, an activist of sorts, uh, and he kills himself during a New Year's Eve party. He goes up up on stage and like shoots himself or stabs himself. Um, and Jeremy Irons is there, and uh, yeah. So he was in a movie with Jeremy Irons, man. What was that Cronenberg movie with uh, uh, Jeremy Irons? Dead Ringers. Where he played twins. Dead Ringers. Yeah, I was gonna make a Dead Ringers joke, but I couldn't think of the name of the movie. Too bad for you. <laughs> <laughs> Failing as a podcaster, as we speak. I know. I know. Uh, but uh, otherwise, I don't have any other notes. I think Pauline actually, uh, w- she doesn't go full psychotic. You know, like starts screaming and oh, I'm right. so psychotic. She she has more of a calm to aid mm-hmm. the intense, and I think she does that fairly well. Um, you know, as she talks about, it's more fun than scary. But she talks about how she wants to sort of uh, cook. Anthony's arm and she prepares it yeah, you know great scene yeah and it's it's silly yes but I think they 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 stood by the choice of how we go, are we going to make her scary well let's keep her calm rather than yeah. uh, uh, you know shrill and since you've not seen many Mike movies I'm guessing you've never seen Audition eh I did uh, a long time ago oh, okay. so I remember obviously uh, the uh, the kitty 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 Scene. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very similar. Like, very, uh, you know, keeping calm in the midst of chaos. Can't say I understood an iota of what happened in, in audition, uh, <laughs> but I watched it. They're not all that difficult to understand. I just remember it, I, 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 it played with um, different realities, possibly dreams and right. things like that. So uh, Mostly dreams, yeah, yeah, near the end. So happiness of the categories, though. Not, not not too long ago because yeah. uh, we did the quiet family the korean movie and Katakuris is a remake of that so yeah i know you, you like it huh it's it, it's okay uh, i it's a little bit exhausting <laughs> to be honest I, it's two yeah. hours of making ideas 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 <laughs> stop motion animation singing and more stop motion animation and uh, singing and silliness and t- two hours of this and also i have a serious statement about family <laughs> okay I remember I saw that in Visitor Q, like backwards, like oh, back I've seen to Visitor back. Q. I've seen Visitor Q. That yeah, was be- funny ass shit, man. <laughs> the, the the necrophilia scene was hilarious, and I mean that because uh, it was it literally was like I'm stuck, I'm stuck, I'm stuck. <laughs> seen that? Very very dark movie. Very two very different twists on the family dynamic. Yeah, for sure. Uh, otherwise, I want to finish off uh, with a minor so, sort of uh, action choreography note uh, because during the ending, uh, um, they mix Pauline and stuntman, uh, or stuntman going through tables, being thrown onto a grill, and uh, they also show emotion uh, removing himself from the bed by pulling his hand uh, over the nail, so, so to say, or away from a nail. So they they had like a mi- mixture of. Uh, blackly com- darkly comic horror and uh, some some decent action choreography and again the movie cared i think to make to be decent enough and uh, rather than uh shoot it in a week uh we've got anthony he's not that interested but uh we're gonna do it anyway but rather the opposite sort of happens so i thought uh it um it didn't really have any lows as such it uh 
it completed, incompleted, executed, and um, left some favorable impressions uh, overall. In any other notes uh, you want to share about uh, the ending, Anthony, Pauline, emotion? Yeah, it's worth watching sh- to me for the scene with Anthony Wong having his arm being basted as the girl talks about cutting it off. A lot of great moments in that. Even though I think that uh, Anthony's kind of playing it for laughs, I think the scene still works for, from a dramatic and like uh, a thriller type edge. Because it, it Lazy is. Boots is not a, a hardball cop necessarily, so right. they're, they're trying to play play up the fear of. Uh, yeah, it it comes off a little bit of a mixture of both, I suppose. Uh, that um, it's um, he's coward, you know. Don't, don't kill me, don't kill me. And Anthony doesn't seem like he's uh, crying his eyes out during the scene necessarily. But hey, memorable moments uh, versus no memorable moments in a category three movie. Obviously, we'll take the one with the memorable moments. Indeed, and certainly quenchless desire, as we'll talk of in the second half, opens with a memorable moment. And uh, is it gonna? improve or uh, is it gonna be able to top that well we'll talk about that after a break but as for availability of uh, the untold story 2 uh, the original maya dvd came with some extras such as an interview with lead emotion chung um i think they even subtitled it in in english a little uh, shot on video extra uh, it's uh, not in print anymore uh, you can find it fairly reasonably priced uh, second hand on ebay and on and on the amazon marketplace though so uh yeah, so go get it. Uh, uh, it looks okay. I mean, it's not going to be upgraded to 4K or any crap like that anytime soon. But um, it's nice to be able to still get a very, very old uh, Maya DVD here. And if you can find a poster, worth bringing it home. Because uh, they did a really clever poster shoot with Pauline and Anthony at the barbecue stall. Uh, preparing whatever they're preparing so anthony is in, is in this sort of plastic apron and it looks like he's you know he's back and he's grilling mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but uh, that's not what the movie promises but i thought that was a, a, a nice little clever uh, uh, poster image to uh, to produce so there it is after the break we're gonna talk uh, what happens when a penis gets run over in a movie it's not a medical show this. it's in a movie <laughs> Joshua is not going to uh, going to echo his um, his uh, days uh, during education when they taught him about what happens when a penis gets run over. No, it's in the movie. I might. We'll see. It's not realistic. It wouldn't happen like that. <laughs> God, Joshua, <laughs> you're no fun anymore. <laughs> Uh, it's going to be good, good times, uh, hopefully, as we del- uh, as we'll discuss Quenchless Desire from 1993, uh, Hong Kong Fatal Attraction, and uh, we'll be right back uh, after this musical break.
and welcome back in the second review of this uh, this weekend's lease in the title wide theater is quenchless desire from 1993 i don't blame you if you haven't heard of, it, of the film i got it randomly in uh trades between uh, friends of uh, these kind of movies i think king who actually sent me the movie and uh, just watched it without any preconceived notions and uh out came a review yeah so uh that's how it works it's kind of more fun that way to not know anything about um, a movie and it's not very descriptive either I'm, I'm not sure that's an actual word quenchless you know some people turn on a random movie on netflix ken receives random movies covered in semen through the mail it's not covered in semen what are you talking about <laughs> we're not that friendly with each other <laughs> okay did you get my specimen not i mean not i mean <laughs> uh yeah just say what you want on the air we both know yeah, it's uh, the darker truths behind <laughs> DVDR trading between category three fiends of friends, I suppose. So. VCDs splattered with semen. Uh, yeah, nice one. Uh, okay, so yes. pl- plot for my review of the film Car Salesman Pei, played by Sammy Chung. Uh, follows his colleague's uh, Sonny's advice and decides to fool around while the wife is away. Laying eyes on and connecting to uh, the lovely woman Lu Chi Ling, played by Wong Wing Fong. After Pei feels he's done, she is definitely not. And first she puts a chastity belt on him, and soon she invades his family life. That's how that movie works, or this movie works. So it's not Hong Kong failure attraction because uh, that's not what Glenn Close did in fatal attraction as far as i know so it's not like it's riffing riffing on it entirely it's riffing on the erotic thriller as we said earlier in the show this is not even a uh, comedic take on um, on infidelity like so many hong kong movies uh, treat this issue so this is more serious statement about about uh, the deep uh, social issues or is it because uh, my short opinion it's uh, it's a softcore infidelity of fooling thriller from 1993 the golden era of category 3 and again as i said of the untold story 2 it didn't need to try this hard but it's appreciated that it did try to be a thriller through and through rather than thriller and goofing around and then back to thriller and some more goofing around and it's solid all round and it's got the uh, wieners being run over, chastity belts, as I said, and stuntmen being on fire for the ending. So, all uh, all good, solid stuff. So, Joshua, uh, obviously a first-time watch for you as well. So, uh, throwback to 1993. How did this... Uh, uh, because you, you know there were so many Category 3 movies and, uh, and they just cranked them out because they could and they had film. But that's the extent of the effort. So, effort... Question mark in quenchless desire. I think that it's a solid film. Like you said, it has a lot going for it. I think that it's very much like Western influenced. You know, there were so many movies in the nineties in Hollywood that were, you know, had similar, you know, ideas. You had all these sexual thrillers going on. Poison Ivy or whatever. Oh yeah. Just, I mean, good Lord. What's the one with, uh, the girl with the ice pick. I mean, Basic instinct. What's wrong with you? <laughs> the one with the eyes picks. I've only I a only girl Sarah talk. Stone, maybe. What was she called? And a guy <laughs> Steve Douglas. <laughs> no, I can't forget uh, her. Man, she was in Casino. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but uh, no, yeah, like uh, there were a lot of films like this at that time, and this movie certainly seems to be influenced by the the popularity of this little movement. 
but it has that Hong Kong spin to it. It has its own uh, little trip into insanity. You know, everything's played very over the top. Lots of uh, kind of craziness along the way. Characters doing really stupid fucking things. And uh, it's fun. Did you miss the comedic take on infidelity that usually is the Hong Kong thing and category free thing? Not not really. I, I was. It's always nice to have a little break from it. But it did have like, you know, at the beginning of the film, there's a lot of like the rules of wooing and uh, fooling around, blah, blah, blah. The whole thing about girls being like bikes i can't even remember how his little analogy was like the men tell themselves the craziest things his friend almost comes off as i'm the scientist the great great scientist of wooing so listen to me i got this down to science granted his character he seems like a bachelor so he can do what he likes i suppose but uh he's like the king of wooing really also um before we get on to it uh what could have sunk the movie, I suppose, is that it's really anonymous in terms of even category three star power. This was a one-time director. I've never seen the male lead before. I've seen her in uh, Wong, Fing, uh, Wong Wing Fong in one or two other movies because uh, she got a very uh, she has a quite a glamorous uh, exterior and uh, makes an impression. And uh, so you you wonder sometimes like in the midst of so many movies that were made in 1993 many bad ones even if they involved charlie cho how, how would this have a chance to stand out well i suppose they used what they had and uh, they're non they're sort of an anonymity to uh execute as as good as they could and, and sort of shed the wackiness you know it's not picking up girls i love miss fox secret lover type of stuff here and uh, not even many or any grasp hands uh, type of character. (laughs) There was a surprisingly uh, limited number of guys drooling as they, uh, you know, pantomime grabbing boobies. Indeed, indeed. Uh, I think the best example of that, because I I recently rewatched your little video on Gates of Hell, the montage montage of the guy commenting on the Western strippers, (laughs) <laughs> and the gibberish he spouts as he uh, wow <laughs> there was something about fitting in his palm or something like that H- harder than his hand or something like that I don't yeah, know like is that a good thing the fuck is <laughs> the only big star here and I mean she 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 comes and goes because it's a short uh, role and it's so intense because she plays the scissor-wielding madwoman and, and it's uh, otherwise sort of comedic persona in these movies, including in Rape by an Angel and the likes. Uh, Kingdom Yun plays the madwoman that uh, is wielding a scissor and uh, our main character gets in this uh, situation outside of 7-Eleven where perhaps the most graphic thing happens in the movie um so want to take over and give listeners um, a taste of uh, the teeth that this movie shows it's such a bizarre thing uh for a film that has nothing to do with anything that happens in this scene yeah how was, was this a big cameo for them at the time how how popular was kingdom in 1993 you know what I, i'm not gonna state uh either or because she might have been a little bit of a get uh, i just have a feeling because she, she was comedic uh, 
and uh, and and a force and an energy you could inject into your movie like hey 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 I'm here let's tell some jokes she right. I, I can just imagine that she had that vibe on TV no, not as raunchy mind you and I can just imagine she she was part of the uh, of the recognizable factor uh, in and around and that's what it seems like and game as well because it's not like a role that she like well I'm not gonna do this because I'm a respectable actress no she seemed game to tell uh, dirty jokes. Uh, on screen for a couple of minutes and do whatever she uh, does in this movie as you'll explain <laughs> because it, it seems like because it's so off kilter and you know out of pace with the rest of the film that it makes you wonder like you know was this just done because they're like oh kingdom's got an availability let's get her in here let's think of something but essentially our, our main character uh stops at a 7-eleven as one uh is prone to do within the first two minutes of the film He's drinking him a little coffee and next to his car when all of a sudden Kingdom Yoon comes out of uh, hey, hey, hey. the shadows, even though it's broad daylight, with a pair of scissors. And she begins rubbing uh, a gentleman's blood on our main character's face as she grabs him by the t- necktie and, you know, is threatening to do the same thing to her. We pan out and we see a gentleman in his boxer shorts with copious amounts of blood on his crotch. And uh, we quickly put it together that oh, she's she's cut his penis off. When was uh, the whatever his name was, Bobbit case? Was this pre ninety three? Raina Baba. Yeah. Uh, it was around then. It was in the early earlier nineties. Speaking of like uh, Western influences, who knows? <laughs> Did that make it across uh, the ocean there? I mean, we we knew we knew of the news. I never saw his porno though. Because uh, didn't he do porno despite um, having been um, chopped? Yeah, later, many years later. Yeah, uh, it was in 1993. Was it John Wayne Bobbitt, or that's John Wayne Bobbitt? It was yeah. John Wayne Bobbitt, wasn't it? Yeah, what a John, John Wayne Bobbitt. <laughs> John Wayne <laughs> doesn't even need to have a porno name. I've got my porno name. I'm John Wayne Bobbitt, fastest drawing. Bill list. Burr had a, a great line in one of his comedy things. He's like, you know. I'm jealous of women. At least their issues get taken serious. Man had his penis cut off and his wife threw it out the window. And everybody just laughed. Hey, Stumpy! <laughs> anyway. But yeah, so that's that's how our film begins. Which sets it up for one joke. And then this whole little episode is kind of... I guess you could say maybe it's establishing the idea of a vengeful woman, maybe? I, I don't know. I, I think mean, that's I mean it's Fred Bear, but, uh, you know, the filmmakers have argued their case that crazy things can happen and quick. And, I mean, it's, it's the beginning of the movie, so I don't mind you spoiling what happens to uh, the contents of the plastic bag. Do they sew it back on in a hospital? <laughs> and then he makes porno movies for the rest of his life. No. That's not what happens. Gentlemen, uh, in the midst of the scuffle between the police showing up, our main character having a uh, pair of scissors wielded at his throat, and uh, this in Kingdom pulling the bag out, which looks like a relatively large penis, actually, uh, inside this plastic bag. Pretty admirable stuff, really. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Way to to go, guy. uh, Not not anymore. This this large Ziploc bag, she loses balance throws it it ends up landing in the street and is ran over and exploded into a bloody mess inside of the plastic bag <laughs> it goes pop because indeed it is in a plastic bag so literally we get this quick cut sort of sequence and it goes pop as well which i think is 
they may not have meant this, but it works as a sort of like, oh my god, it exploded. Oh yeah, it's in a plastic bag. So it, it's it's that first primal reaction is, oh my god, what happened to it? <laughs> or that happened to it. And then, of course, this sets up for one joke, and it's uh, that, you know, the protagonist, he, he gets, you know, cleaned up and everything like that, blood off of him, goes to a meeting, an important, you know, dinner meeting with, like, a bunch of people from his company, and at the meeting, they pull out a, uh, what is it, a paddock clam, which looks very much like a penis, and the main character has to go vomit. It's the setup that the movie, uh, okay, it's kind of funny to talk up, and it is kind of funny, but uh, in reality, it also is set up for the fact that uh, the movie wants to, you know, have a little bit of a bite to it. Uh, and it's not brooding as such, it takes place in daylight, of course. So, uh, But I appreciate it that uh, it gets going quickly, and they're uh, gonna establish that uh, crazy things can and will happen. So, And it uh, makes for an a memorable scene. Maybe the movie doesn't recover from it, from it, but uh, it, it certainly still is story focused. It doesn't stop the movie for again, like uh, copious amounts of sex scenes or stripping scenes and grass pants, as I said, because it, it gets going and uh, we we get this uh, uh, corporate world established, I suppose. The the sunny character talks to Pay about uh, well, you got to woo, man, because this is how it's done, and I'll I, I do it, and I know it. I know it the best. I know it well. So, uh, and we, which is, uh, I don't know, it's it's, uh, it's not me trying to be the more the, the big moral guardian of the network, but I just sort of shake my head at those kind of kind of characters, you know, <laughs> just going off a la 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 la. I got the Bible of wooing in my head, and I'm gonna tell it to you. <laughs> it, it, it's the, it's only when Charlie Joe, as opposed, is uh, telling us how it's done that we listen a little bit more carefully because um, sure. he he sells things um, in a funny way and. Um, that's what we. That's the authoritarian we need in the world of wooing, Charlie Jones. The casting of her is, uh, uh, you know, the character of Lu Chiling, played by Wong Wing Fong. I, I think it's important because you you'd want a stunning woman there. You, you'd want uh, her to have like signature moments when she is the sort of the the characterization of. Uh, uh, glamour and beauty and hopefully sexuality uh, for for those characters who lay eyes on her and uh, the director there, therefore you know has a slow motion in, uh, entrance for her and it's not as obvious as in the untold story too where immediately Pauline Shun does the cut to the angle yeah. where she glares Luciling isn't uh, that uh, obvious of a character so they, it's more about them uh, getting along almost cu- in a courteous manner as uh, they uh, talk for one or two times before the tennis match later on that leads to the the sex scene in the shower and stuff like that. But I, I, I wanted to say uh, uh, one thing that made me laugh, and I believe it is during the, the scene that they meet. It's a big uh, it's a big event for the rich and famous and uh, in the corporate world. And it's the kind of we're so rich events that uh, serve s- uh, sushi on a naked woman. Which, which oh, so I, I, I'd forgotten about this. Maybe this is the only sort of uh, scene where a few people go like, ooh, wah, do the big grass pants motions. Yeah. But, uh, and like say to themselves, oh, where am I going to start eating? And by the way, uh, fucking eating food of any person like that is... Why? Uh, ah, it's, I'm judgy, but that just made my skin crawl, really. 
I would never do that in a million years. I'm sure she cleaned herself properly, but I've never understood the the sort of the attraction the, of the that. Eastern appeal that this uh, might represent. I, I assume this must be a real thing. It shows up in so many goddamn movies, you know. It's just disgusting to me. I, I, I'm not a germaphobe as such, but that's just to me. I hope they just bathed her in uh, antibacterial whatever <laughs> before they did that. Uh, but but it, it's the kind of world. It, it, they set up world. And let's ask you this. Uh, does this movie concern itself with filling the time with tons and tons of sex scenes? Uh, wh- what was your impression in terms of that? It's not our average, but it's still, you know, there. There's still uh, certainly, I mean, the most noticeable one would probably be at the, the rich person party when we uh, we get Mr. King of wooing the best buddy to the main protagonist meets up with our uh, the, the female antagonist who isn't an antagonist yet, but her best friend comes along with her. So the, the best friend and the protagonist's best friend end up having sex on a balcony at this hotel? Yeah, like a roof. It's not even a balcony. They're on a dirty roof. <laughs> it's like pebble stone and shit up there, it looks like. It doesn't look like an abandoned place. It looks like somebody could easily walk in on them. It looks so awkward. and it, it, It's a strangely out-of-sequence um, sex scene, which is either done on purpose or it's just mightily sloppy. Because uh, it first starts with some fake humping and we get close-ups of his humping ass well okay well cater to the ladies i suppose uh but (laughs) and it's distracting and also funny that she's trying to eat a grape while being humped 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 and (laughs) she tries to eat a grape and it just screamed to me that is gonna require some heimlich at the end of this session (laughs) (laughs) she's gonna choke on that uh, and, and then he cut away to it uh, from it and you get some party stuff and then he continues like round two and now his pants are on next cut they're off again and next cut they're fucking from the front and then behind back to front I think the pants are on again at one point so it's it's like <laughs> the editors are not working with the assembly very well here uh, Martin Scorsese's editor would not edit this scene this, this no. way <laughs> What was the stuff he put on her boobs too? Like he put like it looked like butter or something. Oh. I don't know. It's pretty gross. That's I think is not uh, autistic. I think it's just generally sloppy because it's the that the pants are on and off here is like Edward stupid. But uh, it really uh, you're right. It is really the only extended scene where we, we like we get it. It's a sex movie, and now you spent five, six, seven, eight minutes on it. Congratulations, you're going to get to 90 minutes using this uh, (laughs) tactic. Uh, And and really, we we, we don't experience much with these two characters, uh, neither her, and I forget if the friend even had a purpose other than he might have gone to his friend to, like, say, she put a chastity belt on me, oh my god. But other than that, he felt like he's the wooing friend. And The only thing about it we get is, like, a scene afterward where he shows off his collection of panties inside of bottles that he keeps in a briefcase <laughs> that was good i, was, I thought that was, was creepy <laughs> so tidy and creepy uh, too right it's like this this is fucking patrick bateman right here this is uh this is fucking some you know button down psycho killer granted i don't think it's um widely unrealistic i think uh men treated their conquests uh, like this and they were kind of 
the smooth operators were like, hey, 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 uh, can I have your panties? I promise not to do anything with them. <laughs> if I'm ever in a situation where some guy pulls out a briefcase and shows me like Run for the hills! <laughs> like, not only am I not going to be that gentleman's friend, but uh, yeah, you're right. I'm going to probably report him to law. Some this guy bears some watch. Change my number, move to another zip code, and just run. <laughs> I just finished watching Mindhunter, all right? I, I'm pretty sure this fucking guy fits all the, uh whatever. <laughs> it would, it would, you know, it, it would have made a nice uh, sort of dirty, grimy, gross uh, spin-off movie featuring this character that he really was like Do- Dr. Lamb-style psycho. Jeez. I would I would watch that. Um, so the the pay and Lucilin they, they get to know each other. As I said, it's more courteous, um, and they, you know he's got voices around him. Uh, even though it's a stable family life and stuff like that, the voices around him still still affect him. Where infidelity, he's convinced that infidelity, well, it is a way. It makes you feel alive, and she makes me feel alive. So that's uh, that's go into this i suppose he's not he's not malicious and mean about it and but he just falls into this sort of a peer pressure trap in a way yeah i mean it's inexcusable what he's doing uh then obviously the the movie derails for him as we go along and uh, even though it's not grand acting from her as we get more hints of her mania uh, behind closed door mania uh, because uh out in the world, she can uh, conduct herself, and behind closed doors, she uh, she cracks. And as I said, it's not grand acting as such, but I, I don't know. Maybe you don't expect much from the movie, but it delivers according to template, and therefore it also has sufficiently good acting. The, you, she acts psycho well enough, uh, so really not that much deep analysis than that. So. Let me throw it over to you. Uh, did you think, uh, you know, her combination of she, she's glamorous and she is easygoing, but then when the doors close and she is going to act more like a maniac and uh, display mania, was that was that memorable in any way? No, I, I think she, yeah, I think she acquits herself very well in the role. I think that, I don't know, they're <laughs> asking for nuance from uh, a movie like this is probably too much. But, you know, I, I do think that, like, there's more that could be said about uh, the protagonist. Because, like you said, he he doesn't have the appearance of, like, you know, I'm trying to just go out here and woo girls and everything. But there is this, like, hypocritical series of moments in the film. Like, after she she kind of pushes the relationship, and after he kind of buys into it, he immediately has buyer's remorse. Like after she puts on the chastity belt, he has this attitude in it. That's like, well, my wife's coming, you know, he's like, this is supposed to be, you know, a weekend fling for me. What are you doing? You know? And it's like, well, that was never actually agreed upon. Their conversations never said, ah, yeah, you know, I'm married. And after this is over, you go back to doing your thing. None of that. So he, he goes into this and kind of, you know, she's expecting a relationship and he doesn't. She's just a little crazy about it, but he's kind of does some villainous shit, really, when you think about it. It, it, it is a, a little bit of a versus um, situation here, psychological games, I suppose, as well. And, uh, you know, we talk about the chastity belt and that sounds like too outrageous for for this movie. Somehow I didn't 
I mean, it is, and really, he's a he's a heavy sleeper because she apparently put that on and uh, stapled <laughs> stapled that shot or, or locked that shot as he slept. <laughs> I don't know how these things work, Joshua. So. Like he rolled, she maybe rolled, she rolled him over, then she slid it underneath him, rolled him back. That's not a lot of. That's kind of hard to do when somebody is asleep. That sight is quite funny, but. Uh, it doesn't sound to me like the movie sort of lost you because she did that outrageous thing. It sounds like you were still on board with the fact that it's a decent enough thriller. Now, you you, you didn't sit there and howl at the situation, right? No, no, no. I, you know, and it's not the first time I've ever seen a chastity belt, you know, used in Not the first time I've used a chastity belt either. Hey, oh! Not the first time. <laughs> still wearing one. <laughs> still works. Mom says I can take it off next year. <laughs> How the hell did I get that kid? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of questions. In uh, <laughs> IRL realizations uh, on the show here. <laughs> but you know, is it is it is it ever like is it a tense thriller where you're just sweating bullets as uh, de- a developed a scenario? Is it more well? It's a thriller and it's executed well enough, but it's not like pulse pounding as such. It's certainly far from pulse pounding. It's just you just hang tight with it and see where it goes. You know, like uh, it's really only in the final probably twenty thirty minutes where things kind of seem to really get uh, tense, somewhat tense. You know, after his family gets involved, of course the girl after she's been led astray and she's angry with him, and after they've had the whole thing with the chastity belt. She starts coming to his house, starts making her presence known to the wife, even though the wife has no idea who she really is. And, and the wife begins to like her a little bit as well, that she seems like a nice person, whoever she is. It all starts when the, their child goes missing. And that's, like I said, probably in the last, uh, you know, 30 minutes, maybe. I mean, you're, you're, you're right. Uh, the, the, that's what it leads up to. And I think, uh, I, I don't think we necessarily needed it to be full-on tension all throughout the movie that's a good place to start uh cranking uh, uh cranking things and uh you know as they sort of uh play out their game against each other i actually never finished this point that that they uh they try to psychologically outwit each other because it becomes a game uh, of manipulation that he even forces himself uh, on her uh, mm-hmm. to get the belt off to show that uh, mm-hmm. he he you know he wants to be physical with her and then when that happens he uh he uh, has his way therefore it's often now i can leave but it's not as easy as that and and that's not a terrible beat it's solid execution even if not great on tension and you're sometimes thankful and i don't know it's not always that i expect zero from these movies but you you are sometimes thankful when a hong kong movie stays to plot and a category three movie actually has one and it's not just dull, softcore humping to fill 80 to 90 minutes. And th- mm-hmm. this one sort of maybe it looked, uh, looked you know, beat by beat at some 90s, uh, 90s erotic thrillers and says, we're going to do this. I've not done a movie before, but I have the movie on VCD and we're just going to do it just like that. But it still come <laughs> out, came off as its own little Hong Kong thing. And uh I, I gotta say that there, there's even a very effective uh, startle in a bathroom scene where the character Pei finds a a, a doll that's um, hanging there, you know, you know uh, which uh, you know is freaky 
to to encounter when he's actually scared out of his wits by that point. So uh, for 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 a movie that doesn't seem like it has stars or or directing uh, experience or such, all uh, sufficient and uh, then some. And uh, I think she plays emotional turmoil. Uh, continues to play emotionally emotional turmoil well because she's kind of devious the Lucilling character and she's emotionally devastated as well so even though it goes into raging psycho and and, and screaming and all of that and cracking mirrors i never thought she uh, lost the handle on what kind of performance was awesome of her mm-hmm. it can, and and i think that that's why I, I slot her into solid and even memorable because uh that very glamorous beautiful woman has this in her and it's it, it's okay it's very much okay i think uh a great moment for her is uh early in the film like right after one of their first dates you know and it's not meant to be a date like she just asked for somebody to go to uh, dinner with her and he volunteers or what have you but uh, like after the date, it seems to go very well. She's kind of hitting on uh, our main protagonist by taking cherries and putting them in her mouth and like biting off the stem, etc. She goes home, home, and like when he doesn't go up with her, she just kind of goes upstairs and then proceeds to turn the shower on and like just spray herself down full clothing. Doesn't even take off her clothes. So you're like, oh, this is bizarre behavior and there's a nice little moment after that with her smoking a cigarette in the dark completely soaking wet and just you can see okay there's something very dark with this character too i thought that was a nice little character moment i, I very much agree because it hasn't led up to that we haven't uh, experienced right. that and this the way- is our first moment you know Per definition, is kind of surprising uh, and certainly not daft as as an idea or as executed and not this sort of, uh, well, I've seen that in uh, Poison Ivy 3 and 4, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so so it's not recycled uh, elements as such. Even though it might be a spoiler, I'm going to say this anyway uh, for, for the ending, which brings in some action choreography of note here. I really like that it's really a hateful fight towards the end because mm-hmm. he kicks her and he throws her yes. around in frustration. That's fine dramatically, I think, uh, because yeah. she now, even though he's... Uh, at fault for many things this is not earned and now he has to fight for his life and uh, i suppose uh, in a way oh this is going to sound so wrong but we're going to be we, we have to be thankful to hong kong, hong kong movies that they're not precious about either men women children or animals sometimes it's it's all yeah, it's no. almost even uh, the, the, the playing field is like even level so uh, obviously, they're bringing a stunt woman or stunt uh, man for this but uh, the way the the fight is hateful I thought was effective for tension and uh, for for the end. Yeah, because at this point, even even if you want to say, well, most of it is his fault, and a lot of it is, you know, it does take two to tango. But at this point, she's directed a lot of hateful energy towards the wife and the child, you know, and neither one of them deserve it. Neither one of them have any responsibility in this whatsoever, and uh, that's really, you know, probably the one thing that the movie does right and you know this is forms of making her a true villain you know i wonder sometimes uh, this is a random sort of western movie thought i wonder how 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 they hold up uh, these movies from the 90s that we 
watched and regarded as well these are the f- f- front runners of the genre because i wonder how if a single white female holds up i wonder if the hand that rocks the cradle holds up or not or, or maybe those are the good ones and then when, when you get the poison ivy and uh, those uh, uh, cheaper movies uh, with uh, sexy nannies or whatever <laughs> or sexy young girls um maybe that's the sort of b movies that you watch and dismiss uh, you know because I haven't watched those since the nineties, those uh, two ones, uh, Hand Rock to, that rocks the cradle and single white female. Yeah, neither have I. But I did watch for the first time Basic Instinct not long ago. First time? And, Are you kidding uh, me? That first time. I, I never watched it back in the nineties. Huh. I was That's like surprising. Hey, what were you doing? Like uh, watching your German splatter movies on on a looping set? <laughs> Primutos, yes. I got my art here, so screw your basic instinct. I got like Scheiße blood splattered on Autobahn 9. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best of the Scheiser on uh, blood on Autobahn series. No, uh, I don't know. I don't know why that one uh, uh, escaped me, but uh, I did watch it recently and I was like, this is pretty damn good. It's Paul Verhoeven, and um, it's uh, oh, yeah. sort of sweaty and uh, steamy and violent, and uh, I uh, I think it's that holds up because it's uh, it's intense. And Paul Verhoeven, you yeah. know, I always like it. Paul Verhoeven has um, there's a featurette that they produced for one of the RoboCop DVDs that is it opens essentially with Paul Verhoeven saying, "I like violence. I think violence is fun. <laughs> Fantastic. I love you, Paul." Love you, I love you, I love uh, you. Good man. Um, and the final note on Quenchless Desire, it doesn't ruin the movie, but it has a very stupid freeze-frame surprise ending. Very. <laughs> it does. Oh my god, did Wong Jing come in for 10 minutes? Hey, I got an idea. <laughs> you you guys shot a really good movie here, but let me, let me, let me, I got an idea for this last shot. Burn victim, schmurn victim, you know. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, uh, but but it, it's the Hong Kong way. So it's almost like it it's is. over, and I can't be mad at the fact that it's now over, even though it was right. too stupid. So, very stupid. There it's, it is. It's fun. Uh, so, any other notes on quenchless desire? Uh, well, my desire was quenched afterward. I don't know. You know, now talking about it, I see even more things they liked about it. It's a good movie. I, I I was surprised when I initially watched it that the, it, it was solid execution all. All round, because it, it, I even within our little seedy uh, uh, group of friends that share these movies uh, with each other, semen covered or not, this movie had never come up. <laughs> uh, so it, it was nice to sort of be surprised by something that seemed anonymous, uh, that sort of drowned him in, in the 1993 output of uh, movies. I mean, it only, it only played for like seven or eight days at the cinema and then it was out because these movies could never book uh, long showings at theaters because theaters were flooded with these movies and proper movies in the 90s too, you know. So uh, Stephen Chow have a new movie out this week. So Quenchless Desire only gets seven or eight days and then you're out. But it's uh, it's uh, mortalized uh, in a way and uh, as for availability, therefore, it uh, it had one of, the, one of those on cinema uh, those cinema print on disc type of DVD releases from a company called Vortex, but it, but it's out of print now. But what it's based on is actually the Ocean Shores transfer, and they did at least a VCD of it. But but it is sort of DVD quality this one, 
uh, and, and it is cropped, if I didn't say that. And uh, it is available secondhand, but uh, prices are way too high currently. So um, if, if you if you do like it, um, based on our discussion, then keep an eye out on, on the Amazon marketplace and the likes and see if prices go down. And, and it's absolutely fine to watch it uh, cropped uh, because uh, you, you s- the subtitles are... 80% there or even 90% there and uh, it's no problem. You never know though, Joshua, what kind of movies will turn up on new disc and brand new HD versions on disc. You know what category free movie that we've discussed actually got a Blu-ray release? What? It's a little movie called Hidden Desire. You might remember that it ends with a 20 minutes part slow motion rape scene courtesy of Charlie <laughs> Cho. It's very dark yes. and drawn out, and it's just horrible. That's on Blu-ray. In what country? Hong Kong. Oh, wow. So, so, I mean, they had an HD print. A lot of HD prints are floating around, but they're not making disc releases, physical disc releases. So, obviously, they, they struck a version of this, and it was floating around, and someone said, hey, we'll release it. It's a Veronica Yip, but it's Charlie Cho. And, uh, so, and, and it's not a good movie. Uh, we reviewed it for our Christmas special. It's got to be awful. It was on our Christmas show. Well, we we had to pick something. Uh, Dark Charlie for uh, the sort of uh, balance of it all. I think we reviewed My Neighbors Are Phantoms and this and, and that, Robert, for that show. So, uh, But uh, you never know what kind of movies will turn up on disc because even that hidden desire, despite Veronica Yip, Charlie Cho, the director, whole fun, it's not like sex and zen level of uh, notoriety or anything. So uh, you never know. Quenchless Desire might just pop up one day. On, uh, on, uh, on, on the sites of choice so keep an eye out but in the meantime uh, for all your po- podcast on fire network needs and the back catalog of this weekend please go to podcastonfire.com and uh, we have plenty plentiful shows including our past Christmas specials and the likes and uh, hope you find something you like and uh, let us know if you if you like this discussion or any other shows on our social media email and so forth our uh, rather the uh, re- the uh, social media links will be in the show post and any other relevant links I can find so let's uh, stop the fucking think twice about buying ribs at a Hong Kong barbecue shop and don't go having misadventures in fooling afterwards you know your belly is full by that point so so go home instead and uh, enjoy some uh, casino on netflix or whatever bringing it back to scorsese oh yeah always so uh, uh, i've been as least game with me was the great lord josh regal the arcade building machine man <laughs> try it's like a japanese style uh, kaiju he builds machines doesn't do much Builder. that's it